Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by ShopOhioState.com and the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore, the finest place online and in person for all the best Ohio State apparel, and MinutemanTickets.com, all your ticket needs, a national selection with the local feel. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys. Hi, welcome to a late night Buckeye talk. Do you like Ohio State football? Well, then you've come to the right place. This is Buckeye Passions. Buckeye Talk is back. It's late. We're on beds. We're going to fall asleep. Bottom line is we might fall asleep in the middle of the podcast. Yes, Landis? Yeah, there's like a 60% chance that's going to happen. All right. So if you hear snoring, you can turn it off. Doug Lane Maurice Bill Landis from Ohio State's coverage team of the Buckeyes of Cleveland. <laughs> uh, I'm delirious already. <laughs> Cleveland.com, Ohio State coverage. Bill Landis, Doug Lane Maurice, Ohio State beats TCU 40-28. We put out the call for questions. 71 questions. We'll try to be done before the sun comes up. Um, bottom line, I said bottom line already. Ohio State, I thought, looked pretty good. And we'll get to this question right away from Cullen Bowie, Ph.D. At first down, P-H-I-R-S-T-D-O-W-N, um, when my teenage daughter was like three, uh, one time she said she wanted a drink and she said, I'm F. And we were like, what's that mean? She said, I'm F. We said, what's that? She said, I'm thirsty. Oh. And like she was uh, shortening it. So we always joke about that. Glass half empty or glass half full? Are the Buckeyes contenders who will be better because of this game? Or were they exposed as frauds? Personally, I think the adversity in this game will cause them to, to gel when Urban comes back. Half full, half empty, Landis. Uh... Like can I just can it just be full? <laughs> yeah. All the way full. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I don't. What would I don't know, I don't know what half empty would be. Half empty would be if you don't think TCU is that good. Yeah, and then they they were trailing by eight in the third quarter to anybody. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to agree with that. I I, I think TCU is really good. I, I, TCU is better than I thought it would be. Um. I thought it was a really good win for Ohio State. They won they won 40 to 28 against a team that I think is top 10 talented. It won't be ranked top 10 cuz it lost. Um but I think it's up there. I don't think there are, you know, more than like 12 or 13 teams that are you can say are definitely better than TCU and I don't think they can get that high. I think TCU is really good. And Ohio State beat them and Ohio State was really good on offense against a, a good TCU defense with a smart defensive head coach. Um there are things to be concerned about defensively, but I think a lot of times when you get matchups like this, that teams just 
tend to put up yards. It happens. Oklahoma and Georgia played into the 50s in a Rose Bowl last year. No one thought that those two teams stink. Um, just happens sometimes. So, no, I, w- I would feel I would feel good about this if I was an Ohio State fan. I thought it was a good win against a good team and, and an important stepping stone for a lot of young guys who have not been on a stage like this before. So when you go to a convenience store and they have like 32-ounce drink cups, 44-ounce, 52-ounce, mm-hmm. do you just get the 52-ounce most of the time? Or sometimes do you feel like that's too many ounces, I just want 44? Yeah, I always feel like that's too many. I think I think it can be – depends on what you're drinking. Like if it's water, I don't care. But 52 ounces of soda is a lot of soda. Yeah, it is. But it's good. Soda tastes good. That's I true. always get – I always get – because if it's like a dime more – it's always like a dollar twenty nine. Yeah. For thirty two ounces, a dollar thirty nine for forty four ounces, a dollar forty nine for fifty. What am I not going to get fifty two ounces? Yeah. That's twenty more ounces for twenty more cents. Of course, I'm getting fifty two ounces. So in the fifty two ounce cup that is Ohio State football, this is like filled to forty nine ounces. I think so. I think you you need to have the right view on this, and I agree with you. And like I don't even know there was no adversity. There's, it's just a game. It's a they football losing game. a game, and then they weren't losing a game. Like it's yeah. not. I mean, Nick Bosa got hurt, but I mean, like there it, there wasn't anything. There were you know people are complaining about the the penalties and stuff. I mean, it's just a football game against a good team, and, and and I do think Ohio State fans need to have the ability to recognize a good opponent. And realize when you play a good opponent, you're not just going to stomp them all the time. So the one thing that I was wondering about, and I don't know enough about this because I don't really pay attention to college football, is this the best win in the country? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that as as I was writing because I, I almost said it and then I held back because I wanted to be sure and I couldn't be sure in the moment. But like Clemson winning at A&M. Boo. Is would be I think one people throw out there. So LSU beat Auburn, and Auburn was ranked number seven going and it was into on Saturday. The, it was on the road, yeah. But but I don't know. LSU isn't as good as Ohio State. That was more like like in terms of like a good team beating another good team. I'm not in on LSU yet, and I know Joe Burrow, and we can all joke about Ohio State and LSU in the playoff. But still, right? I guess that's a okay. thing. So, but like a good has Oklahoma beaten a team this good? Oklahoma beat UCLA. UCLA stinks. Oklahoma's best win is probably Iowa State they, that they won on Saturday. It's Clemson beat A&M, as you said. Who's Georgia beaten? Georgia won at South Carolina. It's a decent win. I think beating TCU is better. And Alabama beat, beat, beat Louisville. Louisville. Well, they, they destroyed Ole Miss 62-7. to Like, Ole Miss is, I don't know, probably about as good as, like, South Carolina. And Alabama went on the road and beat them 62-7. So. I think TCU is a top-10 team. I agree with you. Yeah. I, th- I think you can make the argument that Ohio State has the best one in the country, for sure. And they didn't play perfect. They played well. They made big plays. They made mistakes. They hurt themselves. They gave up a 93-yard run for no apparent reason because somebody made a bad step and yeah. the guy was gone. Austin Mack dropped a couple passes. Um, like, not wasn't perfect, wasn't dominant, but, like, very much Dwayne Haskins was in control. Their playmakers made plays. Nick Bosa got hurt. I don't know. I, I I find it would find it very odd to me if Ohio State fans are coming out of this with anything other than like pretty much complete satisfaction. Yeah, I don't. And I didn't get like during the game. Certainly, people are on the edge of their seats because Ohio State's losing, and it's like midway through the third quarter, and that's okay. But after the fact, I think you should feel good. Tracy Wolf at T Wolf. There's an H in that Wolf. T W H O L F. I'm a big fan of Tracy Wolf. 
she works for ESPN. Would love your take on the officiating. Officiating seem very poor with missed or incorrect calls on both teams. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the targeting that they called on TCU that got overturned. Like was I thought a bad call in the moment, and they overturned it, and I think they got it right. Um, they missed an Ohio State face mask. They missed that Ohio would have hurt them. Yeah, uh, Davon Hamilton's touchdown should have been a safety because yep. Draymond Jones touched the ball when he was out of bounds. Do you think that changed the game, or do you, I mean, obviously it's points, or but do you think it's like okay, so Ohio State gets two there instead of seven, but then TCU's got to kick it to them, and Ohio State's going to get good field position. I want to make sure I have this. Yeah. Look, at all, look at all these handwritten notes in here. Woo, Texas style. This um, is the Bill is looking through the giant packet of stuff we got after the game. I will say my impression is, of course, getting yeah. seven instead of two is a big deal. Like I don't think, I don't think that if that's a safety that. The other team wins. I still think Ohio State wins fairly comfortably. This basically the same way. The thing that's I don't want to make sure it was right. So Ohio State gets a touchdown that should have been ruled a safety. So Ohio State should have had two points, which would have made a five nothing. But then also get the ball back. Right. Instead, they scored a touchdown and gave the ball to TCU, and then TCU scored. Right. So that I think that can change. So I don't like. It could be. Ohio State gets the ball back and Ohio State scores, so then it's, what, 13 or no, 12 nothing maybe Ohio State instead of 10-7. Right. I think that's possible. And I think, I, well, so you you and some others in the press box first guessed that, that immediately were on the fact that somebody's foot was out of bounds and it looked like a safety, and they didn't really... They didn't they, even look at it. They didn't consider it, and yeah. then it was like after the fact, people noticed on TV. I also thought that Damon Arnett pass interference was pass interference. I know people, I saw someone tweet that's like one of the worst pass interference calls I've ever seen. His hands were on him. He was holding he held the guy. Him through the entire play. And he was handsy, as other people noted. He was handsy all game. There was another deep ball down the sideline that maybe was a little uncatchable, but he definitely had his hands all over the receiver. So I think the receiver also had hands on Damon Arnett. But yeah. like, if your hands are on the guy all the way down the field and the ball's in the air and your hands are on him and they call you, I just, I just don't have a lot of sympathy for you. You know, like stuff happens. But he he just he's being aggressive and that's fine. But you're going to pay a price for that sometimes. Five penalties on each team, by the way. Didn't think it was egregious. Kyle A, who made the picks with us this week, Kyle underscore OSU, and uh, he was unhappy with his picks. Demario McCall nowhere to be seen. What does his near future look like at Ohio State? He has does not have a near future. He doesn't have one. Yeah. C.J. Saunders was in in four receiver sets. Mm-hmm. C.J. Saunders, the former walk on. So I I don't know. I don't know what to say. Shaq Harrison, our guy at Harrison Shaq, can Ohio State fire Bill Davis in the middle of the season? So this came up during the game, and I tweeted at one point during the game. uh, What did I tweet? I think I tweeted, who is Ohio State's linebackers coach? And this is something I like to do at times. It's a little reward for you guys. (laughs) When I tweet something like that, that's for you. You, the Buckeye Talk listeners. Because to a normal person who might just be following Ohio State TCU and maybe is checking on people who are at the game – Somebody like me would tweet, who is a linebacker's coach? And they might say, oh, I will provide information to this person, and I will tweet at this person, Bill Davis. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that when I say, who is the linebacker's coach, I am not looking for a tweet in return that says, the coach is Bill Davis. (laughs) It's still an issue. Yep. This is not an imaginary podcast issue. Other people don't talk about it as much as we do because other people are afraid to. But we talk about bad assistant coaches here on Buckeye Talk. And 
he is still not getting it done. And I think it is still, maybe glaring is the wrong word, but the linebackers make little mistakes more often than the other position groups. I don't think that is an exaggeration. And I do not think it is because the players at linebacker are not as good as the players at other positions. So if there is a trend in a position group and they recruit well all over the field, then what could it be? I think it's the guy who has coached in the NFL, who I think clearly has trouble relating to college players, to teaching them. When he got here, the linebacker said, he coaches us like NFL players. Guess what? You're not in the NFL. You don't turn on film and tell millionaires, go do your job. These are teenagers. I think they need better coaching, and I think Bill Davis's poor coaching has hurt this team for two seasons. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with everything. No, I just don't know. I, I can't off the top of my head think of a, of a an assistant coach getting fired for poor job performance in the middle of the season. So I wouldn't hold out hope that that would happen. But it doesn't mean some shuffling can't happen behind the scenes that we're never made aware of. And then at the end of the year, it's like, oh, yeah, Greg Schiano was a linebacker's coach after the third game on. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's possible. But, yeah, I, the there's talent in the linebacker room. I think that's without question. There are guys who have been playing now for multiple years who are clearly not being coached up the right way. And it's evident, it's evident in, in the mistakes that are being made that should not be made by guys who have been playing that long. Urban Meyer does not get rid of coaches after one year. This is Bill Davis's second year. He does get rid of coaches after two years. Mm-hmm. I will be surprised if Bill Davis is back on Ohio State sideline in 2019. And one of two things will have happened. The linebacker play got better, significantly better. And he proved that he should be here, or Urban Meyer is uh, letting personal relationships get in the way of what's best for the Ohio State team. And um, if the linebacker play continues this way, and again, it's not just us. It's not just us. It's not. Everyone. everyone make, we're the only ones who talk about it like publicly, but everyone makes jokes about it. So if that's the reality, and Bill Davis is back for 2019, then I'm going to ask very hard questions of Urban Meyer. Why do you keep your friend um, employed here when he's not doing a good job? Mm-hmm. But you can't fire him in the middle of the year at AAA Ron at 937. Aaron, where does TCU finish in the Big Ten? Mm. I Here's my hot take, and we'll get to these. I was so excited for this Buckeye talk because a couple things uh, coalesced um, on this Saturday. One, so it's like a Bill Davis. Bill Davis is bad at his job. Rutgers stinks, and Wisconsin's overrated. That is a Buckeye talk trifecta, and we hit that trifecta. That's a dope trifecta. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> We hit that hard on Saturday. Yeah. Um, where's TCU finishing the Big Ten? I think TCU is better than Wisconsin. Yeah, I do too. Uh, just like overall in the entire league, like I think, I think if they were in the West as the West is currently constructed, they're the best team in the West. I think I would say Penn State's better than them, and Ohio State's better than them. So I'm third. And I don't know how good good Michigan's going to be. Yeah. Because I think Michigan, it's like Michigan. Lost Notre Dame. Notre Dame looks like they're not exactly great. There's a lot of frauds in college football this year, yeah. as there are in many years. And no offense if you like that team or if your nephew plays for that team. It's not a personal attack. It's just that perhaps your nephew plays for a fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre Dame is had trouble since beating Michigan, and Michigan's looked much better since losing to Notre Dame. Yeah. I think Michigan might get on a roll here and like be a team that's like, oh, wow, I can't believe Michigan lost to Notre Dame Like another six weeks. To be like, wow, Michigan's really good how they lose that game. I mean, I think 
Michigan's defense is better than TCU's probably, but I think it's close. But I, TCU's offense, I think, is way better than Michigan's. We're going to have lots of uh, Bill Davis questions, and everybody wants James Laurinaitis to be the be the Ooh, linebacker. That's a good coach. idea. James Laurinaitis. That's a Hall of Famer. James mm-hmm. Laurinaitis to you. At Buckeye9131, what happened to Michael Jordan snaps? This is obviously uh, something that people are going to be talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I meant to ask Ryan Day, and I didn't. Um, Not going on post-game news conference. Yeah, and then Michael Jordan obviously didn't come out. Offensive line coach Greg Sidrawa didn't come out. The only offensive line that came out was Demetrius Knox. You're not going to ask him about that. That's not fair. Um, so I don't know. The, the weird thing was like, like is it, they were consistently low. Yeah. It wasn't like he was erratic and all over the place. I don't know if like, I don't know what it was. It was so weird. Like it made, it, because it was, so, it was all consistently low and not all over the place. Like makes me think it's something that's going to get fixed rather quickly and easily. Um, but it was bizarre and it was a problem. I think it did throw off the passing game a little bit. It threw off Dwayne Haskins timing for sure. Um, but I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. Unless like if Michael Jordan just like saw a really good defensive line and they haven't played a good defensive line and was like trying to get his step out quicker. And because of that, he was being a little short with his snap. Maybe that was it. Otherwise, I don't know what it was. Uh, someone tweeted me about his butt. Be it, his butt was too high. Yeah. Too low. Yeah. His butt was in the wrong spot. And if he would fix his butt, he'll be okay. He's tall. He's yeah. tall. And it's like, I think it's a very difficult position. He's a really good guard. He's proven to be a very good offensive lineman. I don't think center is is his ideal position. I think perhaps it's his third best position on the offensive line. And there's yeah. only three positions. Um, but he's doing what needs to be done to help the Ohio State team. If they thought Demetrius Knox or Malcolm Pridgen were options at center, they would have done that. But they didn't think that, so they moved Michael Jordan from guard to center to start those two guys at guard. There is not a solution here. So this no. is the one thing I think uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about Michael Jordan. There's not a solution. They are playing their five best guys right now. And so if you think this is untenable, you are not playing your five best guys. And it's clear also that Brady Taylor, who Urban Myers said coming out of spring had won the job, he's third now. Mm-hmm. Josh Myers, second-year player, is the backup center. And so if if it reaches the point, and, and we're not saying this now, but let's say it did, I think you're only – what you're doing is you're putting Josh Myers at center and you're putting Michael Jordan back at left guard and you're putting Malcolm Pridgen on the bench. So you are deciding yeah. – to put Josh Myers in, in and Malcolm Pridgen out to make Michael Jordan more comfortable. So I don't think that's an impossible solution. Josh Myers is a very highly rated recruit that was a big-time get when he came here. He's still a very young player. He's the backup center. He's probably the future center. Yep. I get that they didn't start a second-year guy. Did he redshirt last year? Yeah. I get that they didn't start a redshirt freshman at center. I get that. Maybe it'll be like Tough Borland last year. They didn't want to start Tough Borland at middle linebacker, but then you had – that's actually a pretty good comparison. You had Chris Worley, who's a veteran player, who just was out of position. And then once you figured out Tough Borland, young guy, could handle it, you moved Chris Worley back to where he fit best at outside linebacker, and you started Tough Borland in the middle. If you figure out by the middle of the year, you know what? Josh Myers is ready. We're going to put Michael Jordan back where he fits best at left guard. Malcolm Pridgen, you're our top backup. I don't think that's impossible, but also this is just one game of bad snaps. I don't think it was bad blocking. I thought the offensive line was pretty good for the most part. <coughs> More pressure, I think it's to be expected against that kind of defense. I thought they held up well. Yeah, I don't I just want to see what Tulane looks like before I get super nervous about Michael Jordan, but I will say like I think it was a combination of like we're on the road. It's not a true road game, but like they're on the road. 
And the defensive line they're playing is really good. And like in two weeks, it's going to be the defensive line they're playing is pretty good. And it's going to be the loudest environment you've ever been a part of. And I think that could be an issue. I also am sort of curious. I would love to talk to Ryan Day and Dwayne Haskins about how much, honestly, that like low snaps throw off the passing game. Yeah. They weren't, they didn't fumble him. He wasn't shooting him over his head. Yeah. They didn't cause a turnover. But did they throw off the pass game in any way? Again, Dwayne Haskins was pretty good. So I think it's an interesting thing. But bottom line is, Michael Jordan's name is going to be out there getting some crap, getting some flack, and it's 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 Ohio State's fault that they don't have an answer other than moving their all Big Ten left guard that yeah. they never wanted to plan to do. This is not like moving Elfline and Price. This was not the plan. Billy Price came to Michael Jordan's defense on Twitter, by the way. My Billy Price is a Twitter defender of his Buckeyes, which is lovely to see. Brock, Doctor. Can we have Sheffield, Okuda, Fuller, and Wade as the starting DBs? I, I don't – so you're out on – he wants Wade in that safety spot. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, you're on that. So basically the second safety spot, Isaiah Pryor, Jocelyn Wint opposite Jordan Fuller continues to be some kind of issue it seems like. It seems like it. Um, I thought like the on the long touchdown run, I thought Pryor – didn't do a great job at the start of it. Didn't didn't recover all that well. And then on the long touchdown pass, Jocelyn Wint just did not track the ball very well at all. And like ended up injuring his teammate, Kendall Sheffield, in the process. It was kind of a bad sequence for them. And like they're young and they're inexperienced, and, and I want to leave room for that. But um it's the third game, and I and I think some of that stuff should be should be corrected. And I think you put it on uh Alex Grinch, who's the new safeties coach, as much as you do uh, on the players. I think that's important. Um but there's a lot riding on that spot, I think, and I think you need to be willing to – Greg Schiano can't stop talking about Sean Wade, and I think at a certain point you should stop talking about him like and just play him and see what happens. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, we're approaching the halfway point of the season pretty quickly here. I think you think if, if in the back of your mind any part of you thinks that Sean Wade might be good in that role, I think you need to give him a shot. They clearly like Sean Wade. Sean Wade has a role on this team. He is their nickel corner. He's their slot corner. He was in the game a lot against TCU. They have clearly made the decision that the two outside corner spots are different enough than the third slot corner spot that they are not putting one of the regular corners in the slot corner spot. So Okuda, Sheffield, and Arnett continue to rotate through two outside spots, and they are treating the slot corner spot as a different position. Sean Wade is locked up man-to-man, in, against speedy dudes frequently now. That is definitely a different position than safety. Yeah. It's complete, I mean, it's completely different. Uh, so some, some of the same responsibility with the way they use your safeties though. So like, I just, you're, you're asking a lot of Sean Wade if you go that route. But I think Sean, like, so I think Sean Wade can be Damon Webb and Jordan Fuller can go back to being what he was last year. Jordan Fuller's Malik Hooker. Yeah. I fell asleep. Uh, problem solving. I'm interested in problem solving. In the name of best 11, everybody always talks best 11. We just talked about it on the offensive line. Best 11. Is Sean Wade one of their best 11 defenders? I think he is. I, I think he's shown enough in the last two games for me to think that he is. He had really good coverage on a guy on an important throw early. I think, he, I think the 51-yard touchdown pass... I think Sean Wade or Jordan Fuller, either one of them, it just happened to be, not be on Jordan Fuller's side of the field. Yeah, I think either one of those guys would have picked that ball off. Also, and and it wasn't on Jordan Fuller's side of the field, maybe not by coincidence. Yeah. 
teams find weak spots. A point that I'm I, I'm very interested in is I, I think Ohio State has like six to eight like incredibly elite players. You can name them: Nick Bosa, Draymond Jones, Jordan Fuller, Drew Crispin, J.K. Dobbins, Dwayne Haskins. Paris Campbell. Six they, punts, five inside the 20, <laughs> no touchbacks. I'm just saying. And then I think they have a big group of guys in the middle. And then I think they have like two or three starting spots that are issues. And it seems like those two or three starting spots have popped up in the first three games uh, and have cost them. Jeff Hoffman. We're not going to go backwards very long. Jeff underscore Hoffman 816. Why did Haskins not start last year? I asked Wayne Haskins this week. I didn't do anything with it. Busy. We seem busy. Did you gain something by sitting last year and not playing in your second year on campus that made you more ready for this now or would you have been this ready last year? And he basically said, like, yeah, it helped me to learn, but I think I pretty much would have been ready, right? Didn't he basically yeah. say that? Yep. So why did Haskins not start last year? It's like you know the answer to that. And it's a reasonable answer. So it's not worth going into because there's no debate. It's like, well, why didn't he do it? Because he's incredibly loyal to an incredibly important Buckeye who was very, very good in most parts of his job and won and was 38 and 6 as a starter. And so, like, you know, we're not going to go down that road again. Yeah. I think he could have done it, though. I think he would have yeah. looked very similar to the Dwayne Haskins you see now. Do you agree with that? Uh, I think it would have been tough to adjust your offense kind of on the fly like that to do because clearly it has to be different. We saw we saw it against TCU with the way that the quarterback run was absent and I think it was noticeable. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was noticeable that it wasn't there. I think it would maybe would have been a little difficult to adjust your offense in the middle of the season to Dwayne Haskins. Six one four sports fan, how good is TCU? How much can we take away from this game given their unique style, scheme, tempo? I think teams are gonna try to hit Ohio State with tempo. Mm-hmm. I think TCU had a good game plan of, like, they just did not drop back and throw very much. And, like, basically the first time they tried to actually drop back and throw in the first quarter, Nick Bosa got a touchdown. So I, I thought they had a really good game plan that other people were ste- will steal. And I don't know that it was, like, TCU's unique style. It's just what TCU did for this game. Now, they're yeah. a Big 12 spread offense. So maybe they're more they're more prepared to go up-tempo, quick pass than, like, Wisconsin sure. and Iowa. But there are other teams in the Big Ten that run enough of this style of offense that can copy some of that. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see it. Like Indiana will try it, and I don't know, like Maryland will probably try some of it. And like it was extreme, especially on. I mean, the tempo was extreme, but it was really extreme getting the ball out of Sean Robinson's hand because everything was a quick screen, bubbles and screens and reverses, and yeah, or a chuck it up deep ball. And I want to go back and count up the deep balls, but they got a couple pass interference calls. They hit on a couple. And you know what? Like, if it missed, at least you gave the defense something to think about. And Nick Bosa didn't sack you on that play. Yeah. So the chuck it up and pray, interesting part of that. And again, then you're putting, you know what? I think Ohio State's corners are pretty good. They're not Denzel Ward. They're not Marshawn Lattimore. They are, they are, I don't know where Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett and Jeffrey Okuda are going to be drafted when it's time to be drafted. I don't think they're Marshawn Lattimore. Not yet. <clears throat> and the safeties are not Malik Hooker. You chuck up a deep, you close your eyes and chuck up a deep ball 50 yards against Malik Hooker. He's the first person I thought of when that ball was in the air. 
So they don't have that right now. So teams are not afraid to chuck it up and see if they can get a call and get rid of the ball quickly. So I just, the idea of like you, we are not even giving you a chance. How many sacks did Ohio State have? Three. They had this, the Bosa sack for a touchdown. They uh, had, Draymond had a sack, I think. But yeah, it's, Bosa had a sack, uh, Cooper had a sack, and Draymond had a sack. But you're not you're just you're just taking away that part of the game. So I think that will continue to be a blueprint going forward. Uh, can we answer that question? What do you say? How good is TCU? How good is TCU? I think good. I think they're good. good. So what we can take away is I do think, you think it's possible by the end of this season? They're like, oh yeah, the best team Ohio State played was TCU. Possible, yeah. yeah. I think it is, and that depends. Like. Their quarterback wasn't as good as Trace McSorley and wasn't as good as Brian Lewerke and wasn't as good as I think what Shea Patterson especially will be by week 12. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but they have a good defense. They had some fast guys. Ohio State said – Draymond Jones said it was the fastest team he's ever played. Yeah. Like, I, th- well, I thought it was kind of a crazy quote. So they're good. Brian Egan at Brian Egan. Who was the guy pretending to be Austin Mack tonight though? What was, what was the deal? Is that – I mean listen – we all picked Austin Mack as our breakout receiver. Yeah. He had 84 receiving yards, but he wants to be Michael Thomas. He said that in the spring. That's the guy he looks up to. Everybody drops passes sometimes. If you want to be Michael Thomas, you can't do that on a Saturday night ABC game against a top 15 team. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, think it's a, um, I think it's a snowball thing. I think you drop one, and you're maybe more prone to drop some others. You get inside your own head. The one thing I will say about Austin Mack, and I think, I think a lot of people think this, and it's, I think it's a fair criticism of his games. Like sometimes he drops the easy ones, but he often makes a really hard catch. Like the first catch he made was incredible. Incredible. Um, and and he's not the first guy to be like a drop the easy one, catch the hard one. I think there's a lot of receivers who do that. Um, book the thirty one, by the way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, it was it was it was weird. I think to see him like get a case of the drops for, for four in a row, and he had I think he had a holding penalty in there too. So yep. it was not a great sequence, but. Um, he made two catches at the end. When, when Ohio State was making his comeback, he had two catches, and I think that's important to, to keep in mind, too. Dave Grothouse, Dave Grot 87. To me, it seems that the linebackers are rushing to make plays without diagnosing the play, causing them to be out of position. Do you think they'd be, they'll be able to change? Also, do you believe that this is a Davis coaching philosophy or more of a talent issue? You know what? That might be a good point. You know what I like? And again, as someone who doesn't really understand football, I like the... <clears throat> do guys do this? Like the ball is snapped and like a linebacker takes almost like a jump step and like has his feet spread apart and is like centered and and is like is for half a second diagnosing what's happening. Yeah. And then deciding where to go. Yeah, I think that's what the good ones do, yeah. And I don't know. It feels like – and I'm not trying to single like that, but like Malik Harrison on the 93-yard run just took a step inside. And and I don't know that he was diagnosing something, but he stepped one way, and then Baron Browning was up at the line. They only had two linebackers in, and I think they showed on TV, I think they had a motion that brought the nickel up to the yeah. other side. And so when Malik Harrison took one wrong step off the bat, like it was over, and that was it. And I don't know why Malik Harrison took that step. And after the game, he was asked about that. He said, you know, that's a bad – I don't know what word he used – bad read or something – that's just a mistake. You've got to fix that or whatever. He didn't get into specifics. But, man, like, 
That's 93 yards. That's yeah. 93 yards and... It's the longest play Ohio State's ever given up. Ever. Crazy? Ever. And it's not because they don't have good players at linebacker. And it's not because Malik Harrison's not a good football player. But why Why is their position group... You go back to Oklahoma, you go back to Iowa, why is there a position group that stands out as making fundamental mistakes? They're poorly coached. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm not going to apologize for it. And if you're, if you're Bill Davis's brother-in-law, email me again. <laughs> email me again with the defense. And then you know what else I want to know? I want to know what the wedding gift was. <laughs> and I want to know what color the groomsmen tuxes were. And I want to know if they wore bow ties or like those fancy swoopy, like uh, what's like the thing that's not a tie, but like it hangs, you know, like a thing, right? Like, like, like a bolo tie? Like a, like a, not a bolo. Urban Meyer didn't get married in a bolo tie. Cumberbund? I want to know. I want to know what his, what was his speech like? Was it heartfelt? Did he make jokes? What was the, what did he give a, what did he give a best man speech that was so heartfelt that Urban Meyer took the mic back from him and gave him a hug and said, I'll tell you what, people, no matter what happens in this life, this man's got a job. This man's got a job. And the result is a 93-yard touchdown run, dating back to a best man speech. That's not. Is that too personal? Is that too personal, or is that door open when you hire your best man? I think I think he kicked the door open when he when he hired him. I was when he married him. <laughs> when he hired him, I'm not gonna. If you call me, just call me. I'll give you my phone number. Any Bill Davis family member can just call me. And if you would, would you rather me criticize the unpaid teenagers, or is it okay for me to criticize the grown men who are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this? Is that is that okay? Or should I, the unpaid amateurs who are forced to watch the Advocare CEO do a coin toss at a neutral site game with 60,000 people there? Do you want to get me started, Bill Davis? Is that what you want to do? Just call me. Scott Duda. Eh, I'm not going to do Scott Duda. His is is a, a broad question that we already got to. Eric Carter, happy for Burrow, but Doug, this Haskins kid is the real deal. I think Urban made the right choice, and now I know how tough it was. What do you think about what is this? The first three weeks of the season, what is it? How has it made you evaluate this quarterback battle Ohio State had in the spring? Sorry, I was yawning. Um, yeah, I think I feel about the same way as, as the person who who sent the comment. I, I I never thought that Burrow was bad. I always thought Haskins had a lot more upside, and I think if Joe Burrow was in this offense. For Ohio State, I think Ohio State could certainly be three and zero still. Um, I just think Haskins is a better passer. Maybe Burrow gets you out of trouble a little better than Haskins does. Maybe the quarterback run is more of a part of the offense. Not a maybe; it definitely would be. The offense would look a little different. Um, but ha- I just think Haskins is better. So I think they made. I think they picked the right guy. I think they had two really talented quarterbacks. They picked the right guy. I'm happy to see Joe Burrow. Winning games at LSU because I think he deserves that, but Ohio State has its quarterback. Listen, this is not a you know I made Iowa people mad when I said that Ohio State had three of the best eight quarterbacks in the Big Ten in the spring, but they clearly had like two of the best four. And I don't know that yeah. like are you want to argue? You're going to tell me who who in the West is better than Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's three and zero at LSU, and he had only been completing forty seven percent of his passes in the first two games. He's not perfect, but he's winning games against. 
tough teams and doing what needs to be done and uh, eating Cajun food. So he's better than anybody in the West. Is he better than Noodle Arm? I think he's better than Noodle Arm. Is he better than Nate Stanley as a college quarterback? Mm, yeah. So I don't know. Is he better than Brian? Le- now we're getting to the East. Is he better than Brian Lewerke? I think he's. I I think I'd rather have Joe Burrow than Brian Lewerke. Okay, so he's like the third best quarterback in the Big Ten, maybe yeah. the fourth. He's not as good as Haskins because he lost the jaws out to him. He he he's not as Penn State would not take Joe Burrow over Trace McSorley. So. Depends what you think of Shea Patterson. I think Shea Patterson is going to end up being pretty good. Joe Burrow is one of the four best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. So that was the kind of decision they had. But I also think you just watch the way Dwayne Haskins throws the ball and you understand why he would beat out almost anybody. Uh, all right. People want this. People want it. I like to give people what they want before we fall asleep in the middle of the podcast. At Austin Hunick. Lots of Rutgers and fraud talk from Doug, please. So listen, it's an embarrassment, right? So Steve Politi, who I admire as a columnist from NJ.com, went to Kansas, and he set the program on fire. He called it the most inconceivable, unforgivable loss in modern Rutgers history. So if you're going to get a team – here's the thing. The Big Ten could have had Kansas. If they wanted Kansas, Kansas is, is right next to Nebraska. I don't know if you've ever looked at a map. Very close. Possibly even connected. New Jersey, way on an edge. Way – New Jersey touches an ocean. So if you want to go, they wanted to go both ways. Now, the Wichita TV market was not valuable enough to Jim Delaney. But you know what is a valuable TV market? New York City. One of the 10, 20, 30 largest cities in the world, I think. Yeah. It's Very there. large. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, there are six people in New York City that care about college football at all. And none of those six care about Rutgers unless they're making fun of them. So as long – so by the way, the early games on Saturday, at some point, Nebraska, Maryland, and Rutgers, the three most recent additions to the Big Ten, were playing Troy, Temple, and Kansas. And at one point in those games, those three teams were losing by a combined score of 246 to 11. That was in the middle of the second quarter. That- it was 246 to 11. All three teams lost, and I don't want to talk about TV markets – so listen, here's the thing. When we go to Rutgers games, I go to Broadway. Eat I pizza. I get pizza. I went to a Broadway show. I saw Al Pacino on Broadway. The play was terrible. At the end, and I think it closed already, so I'll ruin it. At the end, Al Pacino's on the stage the whole play. And then at the end, he beats a guy to death with a bottle airplane. There's two people in the play, Al Pacino and his assistant. And at the end, Al Pacino beats his assistant to death with a model airplane. And the rest of the time, Al Pacino's like walking around saying like, Oh, I can't believe this model airplane. So thanks to Rutgers, that I had that in my life experience. Thanks to Jim Delaney. I also had this in my life experience. Constantly complaining about Rutgers being in the Big Ten. Last week we said... Greg Schiano and Chris Ash could eventually switch places, and Chris Ash would be Ohio State's defensive coordinator. Greg Schiano would be Ohio State's head co- uh, Rutgers head coach again. Yep. It was Greg Schiano's dream for Rutgers to be in the Big Ten. Greg Schiano did a very good job at Rutgers, right? Everyone agrees with that? I think they should close the school. <laughs> I don't think they should close the school. No, close the school. No, kids in New Jersey have to go to college. They can go to somewhere else. They can go – are there other colleges? They can go to New Jersey Tech. Princeton's in New Jersey. Princeton. Put Princeton in the Big Ten. (laughs) 
the birthplace of college football. So, so listen, it's awful. And you can't make a money demographic cable TV grab and bring in a crappy athletic department and not have people make fun of it. And also, by the way, why is a team from New Jersey playing a team from Kansas? To get a win. Backfired. The Kansas coach got a $100,000 bonus for beating a Power 5 team. Is there a way that Rutgers could still be in the Big Ten? How is that possibly baked into the contract of a Power 5 coach? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Chris Ash should get that in his contract. Yeah. Could Rutgers be... He'd have almost half a million dollars by now. Could Rutgers be in the Big Ten yet not be classified in the Power Five? Would that be possible? Yeah. Like Rutgers, yeah. if Rutgers is like in the B League, like B-level Big Ten. Yeah, like you relegate teams within your own conference. Yeah, but just them. Yeah. Just them. So there would be 13... Oh, Illinois lost to South Florida today, too. Okay. So there'd be 12 Big Ten teams, and then Illinois and Rutgers, for one season as punishment, would just play each other 12 times. Yeah. I'd watch that. And they could go 6-6, six and six and they could put it on Big Ten Ocho, and we could just <laughs> pretend they don't exist. And instead, we have – it's not called Scarlet Night Talk. It's called Buckeye Talk, and we have to spend six minutes ranting about this monstrosity of a football program that is a stain on the Big Ten. And I don't know why, because you know what? Cord cutting. They're cutting the cords. It's for cable packages that aren't going to exist in two years. Everything's going to be on Facebook. Uh Makes me angry. Is Wisconsin a fraud? That's not, not a question. That's what did you think of Wisconsin losing? Um, surprising. Like I, I, I was. I'm mostly on the same page with you on Wisconsin and have been. Um, even with that, Ohio, Wisconsin shouldn't be losing to BYU. BYU is pretty good. They get a new coach. Seems like he's doing a good job there. Their quarterback's 45 years old. Um. They're not a bad team. It's the best team Wisconsin's played in the non-conference. Um, but you don't lose that game. You shouldn't lose that game. So, yeah. In fine. Madison. In Madison. Jump around. Noodle Jump off. up. Jump up. And get beat by BYU. Kenny, they play Iowa next week? Yeah, they do. Someone said they're going to lose. I asked someone, I said after the game, who's the best team in the West? They said Iowa. Beat Northern Iowa. Beat a, a halfway decent Northern Iowa team today. Kenny Stabler at Beats Bledsoe. I think Haskins gave an A performance, but the wide receivers let him down. Is Haskins the best quarterback OSU has had in recent history? Bobby Hoying, Joe Germain, Troy Smith, and Terrell Pryor, people he listed. Here's, I think, an important distinction. And again, I'm not a, an expert in Ohio State history before 2005. I started watching him in 2005. So he's the best guy throwing it that I've seen. I think there's an important distinction to make, especially in college football, the distinction between throwing and playing quarterback. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins is the best thrower. Let's see him lead. Let's see him um, win. Let's see him against great defenses. Let's see him lead comebacks. Let's see him make plays when things break down. You know, that's not the only thing we've seen. And that's the thing that's, that's going to raise its, its head at some point. Um, it was a big deal, and you're going to write about it, Bill. It was a big deal when they ran a zone read concept at the end of the game, and, and they had a read option for Haskins to keep it, and he kept it and got a touchdown out of it. But the one thing with him is I do not feel like he is dangerous out of the pocket because we talk about you don't have to be a great runner, but there are guys who stay alive and run to throw. I have questions about Dwayne Haskins' stay alive ability. Yeah, I think that's fair. And 
it's 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 one of those Ben Roethlisberger, you know, when a guy comes to sack him, just shakes the guy off and makes a play and and makes a throw. Not that he's necessarily mobile, but he's big and strong and can get away from pressure. Yeah. Eli Manning in the Super Bowl broke a sack and threw a ball. So I want to see Dwayne Haskins against a great defense break a sack and make a play and turn a minus into a plus. I think that is the one thing that I have questions about because I don't think we've seen it. You know, TC got to him a little bit on Saturday night, and when they got to him, he went down, which is fine. He didn't fumble. Got sacked once. But he didn't – he's not – he got rid of the ball. He gets rid of the ball before he gets hit, right? There's he, a, few, a few – yeah, a few of his incompletions were because he got rid of it as he was getting hit. Right. So he's not – he's good that way, but he's not making plays under pressure. And I don't know that I've really seen him – have we seen him flushed? Have we seen him flushed and throwing on the move that wasn't planned and, like, making a throw on the move? Uh, not that I can remember. He definitely got forced out of the pocket uh, once on Saturday, and I think ended up getting like two or three yards. And I think it was a targeting play. Okay. Um, but, but doesn't no. look super. Does not look super comfortable to me. Running it. No, no. I think I would agree with that. And I'm not being critical. I'm just saying there's a difference between throwing and playing quarterback. And it's just funny in this modern spread age, right? He is an old school drop back quarterback. He is. He's more, Peyton Manning, man. A little, a little more than I thought he would be, actually. And I don't know what that is, because like if you watch, if he had the he had the twenty two yard scramble, whatever it was against Michigan last year. Yeah. Um, I think if you go back and watch some of his high school stuff, like you see him running a little bit. Go to the Illinois game last year, he ran the ball a little bit. So I don't I don't think he's totally uncomfortable doing it. He just looked a little uncomfortable doing it against TCU. Wade Wade is at True Buck seventy. How long until Ryan Day becomes the new head coach at USC? So we had given Ryan Day the LSU job and then Coach O, o said, Don't mind getting my job away. I'm gonna get the dumb job twenty. So Ryan Day is not gonna take that job, but uh USC lost Texas. USC's 0 and six. What's USC? Two and one? <laughs> one and two, I think. One and two. They lost because they lost to Stanford last week. Yeah. Coach O also formerly the head coach at USC. Yes. Uh, so Ryan Day to USC, you on you in on that? I am in on that. Uh, recruits California, they got a young quarterback. I think Ryan Day can go, do a good job coaching in JT Daniels. Um, I am all about Ryan Day to USC. So what do we think of Ryan Day? He took a lot of questions in the postgame press conference sort of about, about him. People are very interested in him. He's interesting. More interesting is the 3-0 Ohio State Buckeyes. See, I don't by... think are people, are people interested in him or, or are sports writers interesting, interested in him because like they want to write the psychological profile of Ryan Day? Yeah, people in the room are interested yeah. in him. Are you interested? I'm I think you're more interested in Dwayne Haskins and Michael Jordan and Jordan Fuller and Malik Harrison and Chase Young and Nick Bosa and Draymond Jones. But that's just me. Yeah. Maybe I think people like football players. Some people think that people like acting head coaches. What did you think of Ryan Day? And you and I were talking about a particularly interesting answer he gave at the very near the very end of his news conference. What did I think about... Just like Ryan Day... <clears throat> what Ryan Day told the rest of college football through this 3-0 and start and yeah. how he handled himself after this game today. Yeah, I, I think I, I thought he he showed that he can handle a big moment. This was a big a big game. Like a, uh, a, a step short of, of playoff atmosphere, certainly. But kind of close to it. Two really good teams playing an important game in a NFL stadium. Prime time Saturday night. So and and I thought he handled himself well. I thought he, I thought he called a pretty good game. Um, the two force trying two 
instances when she tried to force the ball to Paris Campbell in the first half were a disaster. But other than that, I thought he called a good game. I didn't get the sense that, that through his play calling and through the way the offense played that he was overwhelmed. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, nothing about it surprised me. I just I assumed he was going to be this way because I thought he was a good coach. So maybe he reinforced that. I don't know if he got himself a job or not. Probably. But I think he probably would have gotten one anyway. He got offered jobs last year. So, of course, he's going to get offered jobs this year. So he did a good job. And but I don't like. I think it's easy to go overboard with it too. I thought he did a good job. Um, it could have been bad, and it wasn't. So props to him for not letting it get out of control. But also keep in mind that like it wasn't just him. It was also Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson and everyone else in the staff who helped keep this together. And he was very clear in sharing that credit. He pointed out specifically that Kevin Wilson in the box was the guy who pointed out that the read there was was there for yeah. Dwayne Haskins to keep a ball and it worked and he talked about how Greg Schiano is like the classiest guy he's ever met in college football and the way Greg Schiano supported him through this and again you, we all know that through this Greg Schiano has been the head coach of the defense and Ryan Day hasn't done one thing with the defense other than you know address the team as a group but Greg Schiano um, has been very complimentary of Ryan Day and Ryan Day, in return, has been very complimentary of Greg Schiano. And it seems like they honestly did work together well. It seemed this. like it. Yeah, for sure. But Ryan Day also said he was relieved that this was like sort of over, that, which I, it was just it was interesting. I, I, well, I didn't know how to take that. Did he mean – was he relieved that like all of this was over or was he relieved that like the, this game was over? I don't know. That feels like we're in Chicago again. Yeah. Like, defining the word is. Yeah. Uh, Buckeyes fanatic at – B-D-F-I-T-L. Why isn't Amir Reap getting playing time? I believe he could be the playmaker we've been lacking in the secondary. I, he seems like a guy who... There's he, a lot of guys there. Why isn't Josh Proctor playing? You know, And That's, Amir Reap's at least older. I mean, like, who and who else is in, who else are we missing? Brendan White. Brendan White. Crazy athlete. I don't think they know what spot he is, is going to play at just yet. But I don't know. Like, I'm, I would be a little concerned about the depth and safety if it was so clear that Isaiah Pryor and Jocelyn Wint were like above the rest of the group because they haven't played that well. Um, but yeah, I I don't know Amir Amir Reap or Josh Proctor. Like, what I don't know. Josh Proctor has played, right? I think he's played. Yeah, but I think he's on a kick cover team. But not not it seem, seemingly in in the mind of anyone at all when it comes to potentially making some changes in safety. And Josh Proctor wasn't here in the spring. He's a true freshman. He just had preseason camp. Amir Reap and Brendan White have been around. Listen, we weren't there for anything. We weren't allowed to watch anything. Excuse me, allowed to watch anything. They picked Pryor and Wint. They didn't pick them because they're cute. They picked them because they think they're the best players. So the coaches have evaluated that they, they played better in preseason camp than Proctor, Reap, and White. But I would keep evaluating. Yeah. Bottom line, just keep evaluating. And it, I just am particularly interested because it just seems like Josh Proctor, who has never played college football before this preseason, probably has the most room to grow. And if he wasn't ready week one, as we keep saying, that's fine. But maybe he's ready week seven, and you have to be open to a change if that's what's best. Matt underscore peak two, Haskins for Heisman. Question? Oh, yeah. Haskins for Heisman. Also, J.K. Dobbins is fantastic. Just statements here. Um, hmm. Who's Ohio State's Heisman candidate? Haskins, for sure. Here's he's, why. He's up a – so he's – he'll be at 1,000 yards after the two-lane game, and he's got 11 touchdowns and one interception. That's good. You can scheme around a defensive end, and TCU did it. Now, Nick Bosa got seven points by himself by doing a strip sack in the end zone. Um 
but you can scheme around him. He does not make a game-changing impact every play. Now, he does in a way because he makes you do something different, but you can do that different thing. You can't scheme around the quarterback. Dwayne Haskins has the game in his hand half the time, and so I know people want... Uh, for, I don't. I don't know if like every time every team has a good defensive player. I don't know if everybody in Houston is writing but the Heisman's a stupid award and Oliver should win it. The right voters are dumb. I don't know what to tell you. The quarterback's the most important player on the field, and it's not close. And so, like, I'm not going to apologize for quarterbacks winning the Heisman. Like, yeah, it's not. It's not communism. You know where they win. You know where defensive players win the Heisman all the time. Russia. Yeah. East Germany. Yep. Czechoslovakia. Venezuela. Oh, good one. Yeah. The uh, Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, the former, uh, the former, uh, where's Sarajevo? Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. All the time. Wyoming. Wyoming. So, I mean, go live in Yugoslavia and then talk to me about the defenders winning the Heisman. Oh, more linebacker questions, more linebacker questions, more linebacker <laughs> questions. I I like when we get in get get in a zone with you guys. Craig Flack, the Buckeye linebacker unit seems completely out of sorts. What can be done? Joshua T one one four oh eight, what needs to be done to fix our linebacking core? Joey Blackwell, hi Doug, why does Bill Javis have a job? Oh, that's right, we already know. Um Douglas DeLillo, is Bill Davis my mortal enemy? Uh, yeah, so there is just uh, there is just a lot of that. Oh, here's a good one. Shaq Harrison sticking it right up my butt with the coconut. Where was Tate Martell? Is well, that a shot at me, Shaq Harrison? I will say, as as like as someone, I've been I've been anti Tate package, and I did not expect to see Tate at all in this game because I figured it'd be a close game. I hope they could have used them. I hope they could have used them, especially in the red zone. Yeah, and so I've been in on the Tate series, but like, okay, if we're not going to do the Tate series, like, where's like a Tate Wildcat snap? Yeah. I don't know. Like, they tried to do a Wildcat snap <coughs> to Paris Campbell, and like, they got called for a false start that stalled a drive. Why are you running Wildcat with any skill player when you have Tate Martell? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, and I'm also saying this I'm looking at the sheet because there's a drive I want to talk about. And it's right when I said, shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. There was a drive that, okay, so there was a drive. I think it might have been the fifth drive. I wanted Tate to get the fifth drive. He didn't get it. So Ohio State had this drive for a field goal. Dobbins rushed for 11. Dobbins rushed for two. Haskins passed to Hill for 10. Dobbins rushed for one. Dobbins rushed for 11. Dobbins rushed for 12. Dobbins rushed for one. Incomplete pass to Dixon. Incomplete pass to Dixon. And then a field goal. So on that drive, one, two, three, four, five, six, they handed the ball. It was a 10-play drive. They handed the ball to J.K. Dobbins six times, and Dwayne Haskins was one for three. So my question is, like, if you want to do that, then just put Tate Martell at quarterback for that drive because I think he makes your running backs better, especially – so I'm, again, not really familiar with the rules and strategies of football – you're talking about the inside zone play, which is a which is a staple of their offense, and it's not a read. But I mean, it, it can it can be. But tight zone is like the bread and butter play of the Evermeyer running game. So, and at times a play that can look very similar to that can have a read component to it. Yeah, yeah. 
Dwayne Haskins basically said, when someone said after the game, Dwayne, they said, Dwayne, you ran it in finally at the end where you, why did you read it and keep it on that time? And he basically said, well, because they called that as a read option play where I can either give it or keep it. And every other run was just a handoff. He is not reading it. It's not a criticism of him, but the, the way he hands it off, it looks like the way JT Barrett used to hand it off, where yeah. JT Barrett sticks it in the running back's stomach and then pulls it on out of there and runs. Dwayne Haskins is sticking it in the stomach and leaving it in the stomach. That component of the run game is gone, which is fine. But it does make it harder not for the quarterback to run. It makes it harder for the running back to run because there's one more guy to deal with because they don't have to have anybody accounting for the quarterback run part of it. So all I'm telling you is if you're thinking to yourself, man, we are having some trouble moving this ball. Let's try to run it this drive. If you're going to try to run up this drive series, why not put Tate Martell in the game for that drive? Try a little something different, and then you're making Mike Weber or J.K. Dobbins that 5% better, 10% better by threatening the defense in that way. Yeah. And I just I just don't – like everyone's – no one agrees with me, which is fine. Everybody yelled at me. Everyone called me a freaking a-hole. That's what they call me on Twitter. Oh. I'm just trying my best. I'm just a man. So they're yelling at me. I said that drive I wanted Tate. They're like, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And then it's like, okay, well, you just did a drive where Dwayne Haskins didn't – his throwing had no effect. So, yeah. okay, he's in there because he can throw. You're yelling at me. Why would I put in Tate? You're just making Dwayne Haskins into a handoff machine, and I'm the idiot? So I get it. I mean, I get it. And I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. I'm not at all saying that Tate Martell should play instead of Dwayne Haskins. I'm saying – if you feel like they're teeing off on the run game because there's no quarterback threat, you can just give them a wrinkle. Yeah. And maybe it's for a play. Maybe it's for the red zone. Maybe it's not for a whole drive. But I'm not so sure that they are – I think they are a team that could use a little wrinkle. I think they could use a wrinkle. I th- at least I, I thought they could have used it today. I'm surprised – I am – I thought they were maybe going to go to it in the second half when they got in the red zone. They didn't do it. And like proof that like and the fact that like Dwayne Haskins is is awesome and is gonna win the Heisman and threw for what was it? Three hundred and forty four yards. Like that to me is not like a C we didn't need Tate argument. Like this would not have changed for Dwayne Haskins. That drive that he was in that I wanted Tate in, he was one of three for ten yards. So if they had put Tate in for that series, instead of 24 for 38 for 344, Dwayne Haskins would have been 23 for 35 for 334. Yeah. It's the same. I guess the question is, like I wrote this last week. I wrote it on Monday. It's like I think the question with with Tate is like – or it's not a question, but like he definitely helps you win. I don't think you need him to win. And if you don't need him to win, then why are you playing him? Because maybe you need him to win. I don't know. I mean, they didn't need him today. Like I thought they could have used him. I thought it would have been like a nice wrinkle from the use, but they still won forty to twenty eight without him. Yeah, with two defensive scores that, that yeah. you didn't know they were coming, and and you know that drive that they moved the ball down the field, running the ball, then they stalled in the red zone. They threw they threw it twice in the right. red zone. It was only a forty eight yard drive, but it was like a ten play forty eight yard drive. They and still ended up they were three three four in the red zone, but only one was a touchdown. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just. And like you remember, that like, includes a drop touchdown. 
by Mac and a ball that Rashad Berry would have caught for a touchdown had it not been batted down at the line. But remember, like, when they made JT Barrett the red zone quarterback, when Cardale Jones was the starting quarterback? Mm -hmm. Like, it's that. It's a version of that. That's all. Things tighten up, and you really, it really helps to even out the numbers when the field gets shorter. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yep. All I'm saying is, like, do the thing that they've done for six years a little bit. Because they're, they've completely abandoned it, which, by the way, I am 1000% in favor of. And it's what I thought. I thought they were going to completely abandon the zone read with Dwayne Haskins, and they have. And that's what they should do. Dwayne Haskins is awesome. He can throw it. They should not use him in the run game. But I don't think they have to abandon it completely as a team just because they're abandoning it with their first-round draft pick gunslinger quarterback. That's all. Do you think Tate should be in the red zone all the time or just sometimes? No. I think he's a wrinkle. I don't think he's an answer. Just like I don't think he should – Split time with Dwayne Haskins. I just think he should. I just. Th- I just think it's. It's like why do teams run Wildcat? Yeah. Nobody says, "Oh, Wildcat worked." Why didn't you run Wildcat sixty plays? It's like, well, because that would be ridiculous. Uh, it's just a wrinkle. It's just a different. And I know it's like, of course, it's like, well, it's not. And it's not a surprise when it's like, well, when Tate Martell comes in the game, everyone's going to be like, well, he's going to run. Yeah, I know. But you haven't defended that. You haven't defended a legitimate zone read the whole game. And I think he runs it pretty well. Yeah. So you all game, you're used to J.K. Dobbins getting that ball in his gut and running. And now, even though you know it's probably coming, Tate Martell sticks it in J.K. Dobbins' gut, and much of everything else looks the same as it did with Dwayne Haskins. And at the last second, Tate Martell pulls it out and is running around end. And even though in your head you knew that might be coming, I'm still not sure you're ready for it. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Quit calling me a freaking a-hole. I don't know what else to ask. Do you think Ohio State has a first-round pick at corner? That's Jim Armpriester. Can this press man defense operate as it has the the past four years without one? Not now, as you said, right? No, I don't think they have one yet, but I I mean, I think Akuda could be. I don't know. I I thought the corners were fine. Arnett got, got called for the P.I. and had his hands on receivers in a way that could be problematic, I guess, moving forward. But I thought the, the corners were okay. Got beat on a couple deep balls. It's going to happen. Yeah. G. Nelly, 97. Why did the Big Ten get this bad so quickly? So seven non-conference losses today, which I saw the AP, somebody, or Fox Sports Research. Robert Smith tweeted it. Seven Non-conference losses like for the first time since like 1936 on a single Saturday. So, like, people were making fun of them, but, like, Maryland and Nebraska and Rutgers losing is not really, like, Illinois super like, indicative. Purdue lost to Missouri. Northwestern lost to Akron. Northwestern, that some people had, like, a this dark horse in the West. Yeah. And then Wisconsin lost. So those are your seven losses. Maryland, whatever, in disarray. Rutgers stinks. Illinois stinks. Nebraska, talent problem, quarterback was hurt in a rebuild. Northwestern can't handle any smidgen of success. Heads up their butts. What are you going to do? Purdue, not as good as people think, have three losses by eight points. Wisconsin, fraud alert. We'll talk about Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a fraud, so what do you want me to do? Wisconsin's a fraud, but it's like, okay, I don't know. Did Did Michigan State play today? 
No, they were off. Michigan right? State had a bye. Yeah. Michigan State had a bye. They didn't lose. That's good. Penn State's pretty good. Penn State thumped Kent State. Penn State's good. Yeah. Ohio State, good. Meat, good. Custard, good. Peas, good. That's a Friends reference. So, Iowa, pretty good. Minnesota, pretty good. Like, I mean, it's basically like the bottom half of the league lost dumb games because they're dumb. And Wisconsin was proven to be a fraud. So, I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was... I'm not surprised by much of anything that's happened with the Big Ten team so far. Makes sense to me. I think Penn State's legitimately a top ten team. I think Michigan might legitimately be a top ten team when they get it together. Michigan State, not a great loss at Arizona State. Arizona State just lost to San Diego State, so it's not like Arizona State's good. <coughs> so that's also, not also Big Ten teams <clears throat> haven't won in Tempe in like a decade. So that you know, I don't know, but like it's not Michigan State's not the standard bearer. So like I think I think Ohio State's one of the best four teams in the country. I think Penn State's really good. I think Michigan's going to get it together, and I think Wisconsin's a cut below what all the blowhards who overrated them because they got so fired up about a bunch of cheese-eating offensive linemen. They're going to run power. Jonathan Taylor's not as good as Mike Weber. Great. Jonathan Taylor's not as good as Mike Weber. Yep. How's, your, how's Jonathan Taylor on your Heisman list? How many yards did he run for today? I don't know. Jonathan Taylor. Not enough. Look it up. I want to know how many yards Jonathan Taylor, oh, Heisman favorite, and listen, it's not a personal attack. Noodle arm. Noodle arm didn't get it done. What do you want me to do? They can't handle success. They're not front runners. They're underdog cheese eaters. So when you're an underdog cheese eater and then everybody puts you in the playoff, this is what's going to happen. BYU is going to come in and embarrass you in Madison. They jumped around and the jumping didn't work. Uh, noodle arm was 18 of 28 for 190 and in an interception. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 26 carries. 117 yards, 4.5 average, no touchdowns. Am I supposed to be impressed by that? I'm not impressed. I was never impressed. Let me know when, and everybody was, everybody who thought that, like, wait, wait till Wisconsin. Wisconsin wore down Western Kentucky in the second half. Let me know how it happens when they play an actual team that plays football. Nobody in Kentucky, they don't play football. They play basketball there. Mm -hmm. Fact. So I don't, I mean, I don't, why do people make things up? Wisconsin as a national title contender is just not a factual premise. Let's call people out by name who picked Wisconsin the playoff. On the next buck I talk on Wednesday, I will be going through preseason lists of people who put Wisconsin in the playoff, and I'll be calling them at their homes. I, I will listen to that live on Buckeye Talk and asking them. We have all their numbers. It's in the uh, manual. Yeah, yeah. What? And then I'm going to give out their phone numbers for you guys to call them. Yep. And you just here's what you do: if you find someone who picked Wisconsin to make the playoff, you call them up, you shout "Noodle Arm" into the phone, and you hang up. Yep. And then, like, do we want them to say like "Buckeye Talk" or no? Do you want it to be a secret? It's uh, like a Howard Stern thing, right? What is the Howard Stern guy? Baba Booey. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to have them say uh, "Noodle Arm"? Baba Buckeye Talk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do that. So do that, and then we'll just embarrass people, and that's how you do it, because we're never wrong here. Um, how long will Bosa be out? Brock Doctor. He's a doctor. He would know. Um, can you phone a sports medicine guy, gal? We don't know what it is yet. What do you think you know? I uh, Who's the silent? Maria Taylor is a silent reporter for the ESPN Saturday Night Game. <coughs> Apparently, she said it was an abdominal injury. She wanted to use the word abdominal strain. Um. That's all I know. I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was his leg. It looked like they were working on his leg when he first went down. So I don't know. I guess it could be like a hernia or something like that. 
So uh, I, I am just assuming he's not going to play next week because if he's the least bit nicked up, he shouldn't play because Penn State's in two weeks. I agree with that. So I don't know. We'll get an update on him on Monday, I would assume. All right. You know what? Everybody, every, I, I, we got 71 questions, like we said. They're all in the same vein. Snaps, Bill Davis, how good is TCU, Sean Wade, um, it's all kind of the same stuff, which is good. We're all on the same. We're all on the same. Uh, on the same page here with you guys. Um, we'll we'll hit one more bracket creep at bracket creeping. Did the play calling change with Urban back? So we've talked about this a lot. Now we're here. Oh, will it change? With will it change? Like, what is your expectation for what the offense looks like against Tulane next week? I don't think it's going to change at all. I think we. This is the, what we've seen is what is what the offense is. I think maybe. Urban Urban might say let's throw Tate out there maybe if he was coaching today perhaps, um, but I think the offense is the offense. I don't expect it to change. Do you think Ryan Day, which I think often I think play callers can do this when they're not the overall program head coach. Although maybe when they're the head coach, I think play callers can sometimes get pass happy because passing is cool. I think it was 28-19 in the first half. It was. Throws to runs. Yeah. And they were losing. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have an offensive touchdown in the first half. Yep. Um, and the run game, I think the run game got better in the second half. I don't think the run game was bad in the first half. Um, I don't, and the one thing, here's, the, the one thing that I think is, this is a, I'm, I'm into this point now. Here's the thing with the run game. And then we'll get out of here on this. There is no variety in the run game right now. The run game is hand it to the tailback. Now, sometimes the tailback is Dobbins, sometimes it's Weber, but there's no variety. They are not effectively doing any jet sweep stuff. It feels forced when they do it. It doesn't feel natural. The the Paris Campbell thing in the first half was a disaster. Um, They can't block it. They didn't block anybody on the Paris Campbell run play. And... I feel like at its best, the Urban Meyer run game is a triple option. It's quarterback involved, tailback involved, and H-back involved in jet sweep action. And they're one for three on that right now. Now, the two tailbacks they have are really good, and the offensive line at Ohio State always likes to run block. Um, and they definitely got it going in the second half. Can we break down? Do we know like what J.K. had in the second half? I feel like J.K., JK especially late, helped salt it away, made his bones in the second half. Um, every time you have better athletes, people talk about wearing down the opposition. But I, I think for as much as you want to throw the ball with Dwayne Haskins and, and Dwayne Haskins continues to just look completely comfortable and confident throwing the ball, I just feel like they could use a little more variety. And I don't mean quarterback run, and I don't necessarily mean tape package, but I just feel like they're not getting a lot on the perimeter Right, because they're not running option. Can you run option in a way where you have to pitch it or something? Like they're not they're not getting any outside runs. They're hitting the runs inside, and if the outside run is, it's because the tailback's trying to bounce it, and that's not working very well. I think they were. Do they I, run wide much? They're running some outside zone. Yeah, it's like a Kevin Wilson thing. I don't really understand football. Can they get more jet sweeps? Can they do more something more? Can they just have more cross actions where? Where the H backs coming in? They didn't do in. any jet sweeps today, did they? What was what did they do with Paris? Was it just like an end around, or what did they? I think it was a reverse. A reverse. Yeah. Okay. 
But like, why is that gone? I get why the quarterback run is gone, but why is why is the variety in the run game just gone? I think I would disagree with you that it's gone. Actually, really? Yeah. But so you think the variety of plays is there, even though they just they're giving it to Weber and Dobbins? But there's a variety in the types of plays they're running. Yeah, I thought I thought on first down they were a little predictable, and I was actually just looking at the numbers on that. They're actually pretty terrible. Uh, first down, they had 39 first downs. They ran 28 times. Threw it eight times. That's uh, that's a lot of imbalance on first down. You get very predictable on that. I wonder what they averaged on those runs. It was... This is awesome, by the way. You don't get this in every stat book. Somebody hand-wrote this and kept these stats. The Advocare people. 28 carries for 91 yards on first down like for Ohio three State. Three yards a carry? Three and Something a half? Something like that. Where's my calculator? We've got new phones. Sometimes when you get new phones, the apps are in different spots. My kids sort their sort the apps 3.2. By, by color. I find that to be odd. Like they put all the orange stuff together and all the blue stuff together. That's weird. That is weird. I like to do it by function. They're kids. 3.2 is not great. I mean, as much as like, <clears throat> I feel like that's what bad, it's like run, you know, everyone makes fun of bad offensive teams that it's like run, run, throw. It's like two yards, two yards, third and six, incomplete. Yeah. And and they didn't do that because they, they varied it on second down, but they ran in the middle of the line and got nothing. A lot. A lot. So. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know either. I thought that was poor, poor, poor planning. Especially last week after they threw a lot on first down and it worked really well for them. So we can watch the game together and you, we can say whether that run was varied or uh, predictable. We'll shout it at the TV. We'll, hit up, we'll have a buzzer. Okay. That sounds good to me. Anything else you want to say? I'm very, I'm getting very tired. I'm super tired. I have to like write like four things. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys even want us to write stories? Someone, when we were walking into the uh, Jerry Dome place thing of Jig today, just came up to us and said, Bill and Doug. And he said, like, uh, uh, I'm going to give you a five-star review or something. Like, made a Buckeye Talk reference. Yes. And it made us it made us very happy and pleased. And if the person who did that before the game in uh, in Arlington is listening, thank you for doing that. It's a very nice thing for you to do. Nobody ever does that about our stories. We are podcasters that occasionally write stories now. So can we just not write? Can we just go to bed? We'll write eventually. Yeah, I'll write like on Tuesday. Yeah, we'll yeah. write on Tuesday. Yeah. We're podcasters. All right. Um Urban Meyer is supposed to speak on ESPN on Sunday. Tell us what you know about that, we think. Do we was think it, that's true? I mean, it was a pro- yeah, I think it's true. There was a promo for the Sunday Night Sports Center that said 11 p.m. Sports Center that said uh, exclusive interview with Urban Meyer. I have no idea who's doing it. I have no idea how long it is. I don't know if it's live or if it's taped. I couldn't hear the television because it was muted. Um, but Urban Meyer should be talking on Sunday night on ESPN. And then he should be talking to us on... Monday morning. Monday morning. So um, we'll see what happens with that, but things are going to change a little bit. And Ryan Day did a good job, but now we're back to uh, Urban Meyer, and, and there's I think it's going to take a little getting used to. Not not for the players. I just think the players have sailed through this. Um, and, I, and I just I, – like the, when people are very interested in writing about like – Overcoming adversity and all this stuff. I just, I'm, I, I don't, I have not heard specific examples of like the adverse effects 
on the program and on the players. You know, like yeah. they made the the coaches made one point that the the day. The very long day when finally Ohio State uh, announced Urban Meyer's suspension and Ohio State was practicing that day. And then the coaches thought the next day the players were dragging a little bit. Yeah. But that was like Urban Meyer had just been suspended the night before. Um, and everybody was kind of waiting all day to see what happens. But the, other than that, I just I – would, I would defy people – or not defy, but invite anyone to give me concrete examples – of the actual effect on the Ohio State players and this program. Now, there, I think there might be effects like going forward, like in recruiting or that kind of stuff, sure. or donations, I don't know. But like on this team winning and losing games or how well or poorly they practice, I just don't see it. And I think if people are spending a lot of time digging in on that, I just think they're digging in on something that's not there. Yeah, and there were some uh... – like national writers were at this game, obviously it's a big game. Who were asking questions along those lines, and and those were the answers. Like BB BB Landers got quite a few questions about that, and it was just like it wasn't wasn't really anything. It was like noticeable that he wasn't there at the beginning, like kind of weird that he wasn't there on Saturdays, but by and large, it was not uh, a drastic change for them. And I think, I mean, I, I don't even have a full grasp on this, but like players don't spend that much time with the head coach; they yeah. live with their position coach. And then the head coach gathers everybody together and gives a little speech. And then you break off and practice with your position group. And then the head coach yells at everybody together. And then you have group meetings. Then you come together as a team and they give maybe a motivational thing or whatever. Then you break off in your group meetings again. So it's not, you know, he's the CEO. If you have a job, your immediate supervisor you talk to every day. They greatly influence your life. How often do you talk to your CEO? Never. So I, I just – I don't know. I don't know. I don't – I think people were looking for something that wasn't there, I honestly. I think people – because he's famous. But I think for us, covering – I mean, he did not – again, I don't think I wrote his name today. I went back. I originally did not. I went back and made sure I did because I thought it was important. So there you have it. We ignored Urban Meyer. Um, and again, partly is because this thing runs – runs itself to some degree because of Urban Meyer, because it's Ohio State, but because it's Urban Meyer. So we're done. We're exhausted. We're going to write, not write. Who knows? Um, we definitely wanted to podcast. So there were a lot of Ohio State fans at this game. Um, next year, Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, and Miami of Ohio for the non-conference. And then the next big intergalactic non-conference match is Oregon. Starting in 2021. In Eugene. In Eugene. Book 32. Book 32. That is gross. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, though, Gene Smith's suspension is also over, and I'm actually very interested in talking to Gene Smith. Yeah. Shouldn't have probably said that out loud, but like everyone's like waiting for the Urban News Conference. I want to talk to Gene Smith about what he did and didn't do. And what he learned and didn't learn and what might change with oversight of the football program going forward, if anything. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Maybe you don't. All right. Doug Lane, Maurice, and Bill Landis. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Hey, guess who I didn't thank yet? Shopohiostate.com. Shopohiostate.com is your place for the finest Ohio State apparel. That is the online home of the Ohio State University Barnes and Noble Bookstore. Scarves. 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 Hoodies. Hoodies, sweatshirts, flannels, caps, hats, 
gloves, jackets, t-shirts, scarves, maybe belts, socks. If it's an article of clothing that you can scarlet up, shopohiostate.com has it. Please check them out. They're our friends. They were the very first sponsor of the Buckeye Talk podcast, which is now a consistently ranked in the top 20 of high school and college podcasts podcast. And our friends at Minuteman Tickets. We know a couple of you guys bought Minuteman tickets to come to this game in Arlington. Hope those worked out well, assuming – no, we know they worked out well. Um, maybe get maybe get to Ohio Stadium next week for that two-lane game. Be there for Urban Meyer's return. MinutemanTickets.com. They will set you up, help you out, stand by their tickets, make sure there's no problems. They are a local ticket connection with a national selection. They're involved in the community. They are our ticket guys. Make them your ticket guys. So for Bill Landis, I'm Doug Lamarice. Thanks to you guys for listening. Drop reviews if you want. Got more reviews this week even. How many more reviews? A lot more. I think we got like 10 more five-star reviews. God, you guys are awesome. Um, Wednesday, we won't be exhausted. So we'll be even more coherent. But for now, um, Ohio State beats TCU 40 to 28. Our beds are calling our names. Book 32. 33. Larry Bird. (laughs) And that was Buckeye Talk.